Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Green Knight podcast or, you know, my YouTube channel. I'm going to put it on both. But I'm here with uh, JT, TJ, sorry, I'm dyslexic, TJ, and uh, from the Contemporary Problems uh, podcast. And um, I had been seeing his stuff, you know, in various places, and I, I really appreciated um, the way he wasn't fixed in his positioning and was willing to um, always either um, be critical and not in a negative way of, of, you know, other people's thinking, especially in the truth of community, but also uh, uh, be open to uh, uh, new information. Right. And so that's the way I operate. And that's uh, why I wanted to ask him on the show just to talk about some stuff, but, uh, we don't even know what we're going to talk about, except, you know, um, it's going to be in the realm of the truth, you know. And one thing that I say is, is that the truth is an acquired taste. And also is that you can't really ever say exactly what the truth is. And in order to find something new, like new information, you have to um, um, allow yourself to... Um, permit what you know as to maybe not being the full picture, right? So you can only use, you cannot use the word is, right? You can only use the word seems to be, the the phrase seems to be. That's how it seems to be to me right now, but you're always ready to update with new information. And so that's why I wanted to talk to TJ because he seems to have that uh, uh, ability. And so, yeah, here we go. Welcome, TJ. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that struck up a lot of thought about <clears throat> truth and truth is a frequency and it's a hard frequency to resonate on. Like the word hurt is in the word truth and that's there for a reason. And yeah. yeah. So it's it's about like separating from that a bit, like detaching from it because it's like what the truth could be was already there. So like whether you see it or not, it's, it was like already happening and life was fine before you knew it. So it's like, it's still kind of happening. It's a weird thing. It's not like looking away from it. It's like accepting it, but taking as that. And then one thing too, I focus on a lot is the delivery or like, or what I ponder a lot is like, how can I deliver some of this stuff? And yeah, it's hard. Like it seems, so I like to deliver it too in the form of a question, right? As King, we should be asking the right questions. Yeah. And if you come to try to, if you have a question that you want to ask, um, if you come at it with any kind of preconceived notions, you've already colored the answer, you know? Yeah. And then that's yeah. a, the other thing I say a lot too, is the answers usually in the question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, <clears throat> I mean, what made me reach out to you was the post you put on IG the other day, which was about Gaia. Yeah. And so you see all of these guys, you know, that are veterans in this kind of area. For example, Greg, Greg Braden has a show on Gaia and, you know, all of this other stuff. But I immediately saw that channel as like something that's already been co-opted. And then when you posted that, I was like, oh, yeah, confirmation, you know. Yeah, I had a, quite a few people reach out about that and be like, thank you. Or like that kind of thing. <laughs> um, or they, or they provide their own kind of thing. And that like, didn't come out of nowhere either. And there's like this guy, there's a couple of times I've kind of put out things like that. And this guy that like helps me do that. I don't know. He's a doctor and stuff. So I'm like, Hey, 
doctor doctor said or whatever <laughs> and, and 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 that kind of thing so yeah and i've been thinking about this kind of thing a lot too it's like what the the idea of censorship and how it's almost like if you get censored you you get a it's like a badge that you get you know like the, now your content has more juice in a way and so i was like they almost allow certain things to come in to create a dichotomy you know and i was thinking of edward r murrow from like the 50s right they had the remember this guy no so he was a dude who he, had, he would come on like after like the regular news and he would be smoking cigarettes and would be talking about all the fucked up shit in the world. This is late 50s, you know, and they're actually it's full. It's very critical of certain aspects of our society and our civilization, Edward R. Murrow. And it's almost like they allow him, you know, this platform in order to create this alternative that creates this polarity. Right. Um, kind of a division of society because you have one half probably being like this guy should not be allowed to say this right and the other half being like oh man someone's finally pointing out the fucked up shit you know well and one thing that i'm suspicious of is i think that they want to control what truth comes out so like therefore i don't know to me that just doesn't sit well with me that it's like yeah that there is that when someone big or, or someone really big kind of thing is out there bringing truth. It's like, we're all out here saying that same thing. They, it's, I don't, I don't know. I think that it's like controlled and I'm talking like the big guys like Kanye or any of that. I don't think, I don't trust yeah. anyone like that kind of. Yeah. And I don't want to, I mean, I, I'm appreciative of, of guys, you know, like uh, Rogan, you know? Yeah. But uh, it seems like a lot of his audience is unaware of a lot of this stuff. And it's like, he says something and then suddenly it's like, Oh my God, thank you so much Rogan for saying this shit, you know? But at the same time, I, I feel like, yeah, he's, and I don't, <laughs> I feel bad talking shit about him because I actually appreciate him. But uh, I think his, uh, that whole thing that happened on Spotify with him, you know, where they are trying to cancel Rogan and it actually just in, improves his numbers, you know? Yeah. Sometimes too, I think they let certain people through like, for the, if it fits with like what they're trying to do, if if the truth you're revealing fits with the truth they want revealed, they'll like they'll let you through as well, kind of thing. They'll let you become the name or that kind of thing as well. If it aligns with their stuff enough, then then I notice a lot of people probably are just innocently just doing their own thing, but it fits with that as well. So it's yeah. it's, it's hard to discern for sure, and that's what I try and like teach or promote or rub off on other people. Yeah, that the that packaging is really easy to create, right? <laughs> and so you can create a package, but it's really the content that is that is, that what matters, you know. And so you can you can improve the esteem that people apply to certain sources of content by uh, you know uh, creating a package for it, which is you know that's what they did with Rogan. It's Right. Like this inverse package makes it seem like it's more uh, cutting edge and biting. And, but it all seems like kind of set up, you know, from the beginning, for example, like with his Snowden interview, right. It's a three hour interview with perfect internet connection from rough Russia, you know, and it just seems like Snowden and the other whistleblower guy are just part of the narrative, you know? Yeah. Like they get a check mark of approval to get that thing out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm suspicious of everything. I, I'm more, I'm more muck it up with the, 
with the with the patrons out there more i more talk to the people and that's like more my style anyways yeah i mean i don't know how i really got onto that i was just pointing out um what attracted me to your your stuff was was that aspect which is what not this blind tribalism you know where your thinking is set right and that anything in the truth movement is okay right and then also the aspect of like how the truth movement or the truth community gets divided by these big theories that everyone uh, takes a side on, you know, and then it becomes about that fight instead of about what's actually, you know, or what's possible to actually create. Um, I don't, I mean, a lot of this stuff is just like I was saying, it's a cyclic discussion where nothing ever really happens. You know? Yeah. And in the truth of <laughs> thing, a lot of times you end up having to repeat yourself too. So then you're, you're trapping yourself in the cycle because you're not, you're just like, Re, like regurgitating the same truth over and over again and i always say like the truth has to evolve like like we're all evolving and, and our consciousness is, is expanding and all that so i think that the more ways we can look at it the better rather than just kind of repeating the same thing the same truth that you always kind of saw mm -hmm. um so what was it we were talking about the other day i mean what like kind of left you from our discussion the other day what kind of stayed with you the like thinking the aspect of thinking and thought yeah. and yeah and just it kind of got me back on thinking without words which is a mm -hmm. weird thing to do mm -hmm. because then when you come back to words you're like oh could have used a little bit more inner dialect but it's a fun way to do like i don't know i've had experiences paranormal or whatever you want to say it or like where there's telepathic things involved and it's like you just, you communicate without words. It's, it's a very interesting thing. So I think there's something to that. So I don't know. It's something I practice a lot and, and I work a lot with like the gematria and wordplay and all that. So I like almost need to <laughs> take a break from words when I can. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And so like where I began that was like that, uh, thinking is based, it's only achievable, um, through reference of the past. Right. So any thought is just a self-reference of a previous experience, right? And so when you are filling your mind with thoughts, then it's all the past, right? And so it, there's no space for novelty, for something new to enter, you know? Yeah, I kind of have this little thing I say, it's like a little metaphor or what have you, <clears throat> where in order to not do that, like, you really have to filter it through the heart, like below, like the, and think of it like the chakras and the heart chakra, heart anagram for earth. That's the center point. So, and that's the present, that's the present moment. And so below that, that's where you carry your past, your trauma and, and, and all those experiences and everything. And then you filter that through the heart and you get that the heart's the church, the heavens is the head. So in order to get to the heaven, you have to go through the church, which is your heart. And you filter that through the heart and then you're not, bringing as many past experiences, past trauma and all that into your current thought so that, yeah, therefore your, your decisions and all that are less affected by the past and less affected by experiences and all that, even though like you still have that experience and wisdom in there that your heart would filter out to bring, bring the right parts from the past forward. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it would be like a, uh, um, everything that happened previously goes through this like uh sieve of the heart right mm -hmm. <laughs> you 
and it it t- it keeps out all of the what would you call it? I think it's just the experience almost. It, it's everything. It, it's and it's like your trauma, like because that's more your like your root chakra and stuff. Like it's it's just more like your kind of more mundane things a little bit. So it's it's just like all of that wrapped into one. But that includes your trauma and everything. And then think like if you want to be clairvoyant or clear headed, if you're carrying all that in you, you're obviously not going to be in a clear state. I mean, yeah, that's what I, I mean, I say this all the time, but it's kind of from a different perspective in a way. Um, in that we're, yeah, we're mostly operating with our, our, um, uh, intellect, right. Which is actually mm-hmm. just half of our full, you know, brain setup. Right. And, uh, I always say, um, that our body is a perception apparatus, right? And so to just use one little portion of it, one faculty of the full thing is uh, incomplete perception, right? Not whole. And, and the uh, intellect, like just that left brain, and that's what most people operate yeah. under. Yeah. And, uh, right, and so when Krishnamurti says that thoughts are the past, it's that intellect building, right? Cause you can't really have a thought without having something to, um, uh, leverage it off of. Right. A reference. And, the, and that reference is the past. Right. Because if you think about trying to think about something without any experience, right. You can't give it a name or you can't give it an image or you can't measure it without that past experience. You know, that makes me think about, uh, just like the mindset of a child and children because they live in an unlimited world and they don't have that past Yeah. to create that thought. And I mean, so that's what I, I mean, I guess if we wanted to talk about something, right, it would be that. And I wanted to get your take on it, uh, which is, is this the problem, right? Could thought, uh, be the problem because it's hard self-reference, you know, and, have you heard of this uh, video game that was, it's not a video game. It's like a self playing video game written by uh, a programmer in the seventies called the game of life. I think, I think it's called the game. It's not the Milton Bradley game, but um, it's a uh, <clears throat> bit of software that he wrote that uh, it's an infinite grid, right? And then you have these pixels that are lit up on the grid. So it's like, one portion of one square in the grid will light up and then it has these rules that are, it's the initial conditions, right? And so you set up a configuration of these light up, lit up spots. And the rules are that, uh, um, that, uh, if, you know, if certain things happen, then this, uh, light will go out and die basically. Right. And then if certain thing happened that it'll, it'll come back again. And it's basically, it's referencing the rules in order to move forward in time as the game progresses and it just plays itself. You know, once you press go, it goes. And based on the initial conditions, three things will happen, right? One is that it'll get into a loop, right? So it'll like blink back and forth. Two, it'll self annihilate. And three is it creates this structure that, that can move ever forward through into the future. Right. And so to me, like, uh, the initial conditions of the universe could be considered to be something such as that, like these, uh, uh, little rules, right. That operate to 
And as they operate, as time passes, quote time, uh, then you get the, the unfolding of the pattern of the universe. And same with civilization, right? It begins with these initial conditions and then it references itself. It's like a fractal, I guess, where the output is put back into the input, right? And so you get this pattern. And uh, <clears throat> so to me, that's like, it's very simple. It's like, despite the complexity of our civilization, it begins with very simple rules, you know? And uh, so we will get one of three outcomes. <laughs> and it seems like we're in this loop right now, like this uh, hung loop where we just continually repeat the same pattern, right? Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, and that's even something I preach a lot, is that the darkness knows these rules and manipulates them to keep us in that loop. Yeah. And yeah, so that's what I theorize is that... Um, uh, it's this pattern has a limit, you know, and so it can't be maintained at the current level without self-destruction. And so it has to be diminished to a certain size, right. And then automated in a way. So it, it, it maintains this pattern forever. Right. So we don't get self-annihilation. We get this, uh, static loop for all time. Yeah. And I think the ideal outcome would actually have a set of conditions that permits, um, uh, novelty, which is ever moving into the future, you know? Yeah. And like you said, is thought the problem? I think thought is the solution. I think it's consciousness that when it raises and, and we're just kind of more able to see and everything that that is part of the solution. So, and, and it's with that, that we're stuck in the loop is that has a lot to do with the mind control and the subconscious programming and everything. Mm -hmm. I even kind of recently crack the code on seven, eight, nine, um, like kind of esoterically or whatever. <clears throat> um, so seven is the spirit and, uh, it's like the tail of the snake, right? It, and sept serpent, that kind of thing. Um, uh, where's it going with this? Uh, it's the spirit, it's the subconscious, it's the unconscious, it's the inner, it's the inner self. And that's like, for people that don't know, like your conscious mind is like more your thought patterns and everything that you're doing. Your subconscious is like making sure that like you lock the door when you leave the house. It's like your very just kind of natural things that happen and they want to keep us in that. So seven, eight, nine, nine, it represents the human. Like we have nine months in the womb. We have nine endocrine systems. Nine is the human. So seven, eight, nine. At that to me, that means, um, seven, uh, overcame the human. So the human is no longer conscious. The human is stuck in the subconscious seven, eight, the nine. And then the eight is the Ouroboros, the snake eating its tail. Mm -hmm. So it's because they got the spirit or us trapped in our subconscious or unconscious self that's eating us alive or we're eating our own tails. And that creates the eight, the Ouroboros. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I come at this all from different, like, <laughs> sometimes I say things and, and I realize that someone else had already said it before, but it's not like I saw that and subconsciously internalized it and then said it. It was like, uh, you can actually arrive at the same conclusion, yeah. right? Just by looking at um, exploring this stuff. But when I say I think um, thought is the problem, it's, um, it's this... Um, <clears throat> the when it 
it's the self-reference problem in that um, you, nothing, no new thoughts can come in by referencing what has already occurred, you know? <laughs> um, but then like, what is, that makes me think about channeling. Cause when I had my kind of awakening, I felt like if, when I would look into something, I felt like I was just tapped into something where just information and everything was just flowing to me like crazy and stuff. So then like, how does that fit in that? Yeah. So that's like the, um, you're turning off your, um, your, your psychological self, right. And allowing an intuitive download basically from uh source i guess you could say yeah and, you know, and you when you achieve were, that through nothingness sorry but yeah and that's just like so you um shut down uh, you create space basically and that's what they say meditation is is like stopping your thinking or not hanging on to your thoughts you know just letting them roll over like rain or whatever but you uh, create space for something new to enter. And since we are cognitive beings, it's not like when you um, become nothing, right? When you stop defending your psychological self, your cognitive faculties are, are not negated. Like they're still there for a reason. You know, this is what we do. Like this is what human beings do. We, we use these faculties, but, it, but you, when you create the space, uh, um, then something that you never thought of comes in and you're able to recognize it because you can think, <laughs> you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It's like you create space for a, um, and you were mentioning the heart, right? This filter of the heart, like, uh, yeah, you use heart intelligence, right? Whereas yeah. it's not a cognitive process. It's a, it's an allowing or a surrendering to permit something new to come in that you well, could you could recognize one could recognize because we have cognitive ability you know because what would come in that isn't that doesn't have some kind of um uh way for a human being to use you know to actually um add to the benefit of oneself and others that makes me think of letting the guard down and your ego is your guard. So that's mm -hmm. why the ego death goes hand in hand. It's like the spiritual process. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, I mean, we, we all <clears throat> talk about this all the time and we've heard it, you know, for me, my dad was all into this. Yeah. He, I told you before that my parents were hippies, right. And, uh, they joined a commune North of where I live now. Um, back in the early seventies and the resident guru up there was Ram Das. Oh, wow. And so it's like all of his sayings are just sayings from, you know, some ancient wisdom or knowledge, you know, whether it's Hindu or, uh, the Tao or, um, Buddhism. Right. And so you get these kind of cliche fucking sayings that have been around forever. Right. But actually have a, uh, super potent, uh, not just a message, but actually a, uh, application. Um, so the messages like, are, the messages are almost interdimensional. I, I even think like scripture and a lot of that, there's so many ways to interpret it. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, it's like one thing I wanted to get your take on was this, this idea that I, that I've been working on, which is, um, that, um, and it's taken from Krishnamurti, which is this, uh, stop defending your psychological sense of self, which is what is the ego death is another way of putting it. Right. Uh, because who we think we are, right. Is our, our ego, because our ego is like this dividing aspect of our consciousness that can point out the differences and things that can differentiate between one thing and another, including where our body ends and where the rest of everything else begins, you know? Right. And, and so it's like, <clears throat> um, there's this thing I equate it to the, the, the observer effect, right? You know, the observer effect <laughs> that is kind of collapsing the wave function with your, uh, um, with, um, an ego, right? Because you're setting up the measurement, right? And so previous to the measurement, it's a superposition of states. And then once you measure it, it collapses it into one state or the other, you know? And so it kind of makes it mundane in that, in that aspect. But what I'm getting at is, is that, um, this, uh, this, uh, the, the ego wants to say that it's, it's them or that this is me and my output, this is my output, you know? And, uh, when you let go of that, um, that desire to take credit for something, you know, then your potential, actually your potential to, for, um, a, a higher level of output, it, it actually goes up when you let go of, uh, wanting to take credit for it. Yeah. There was, uh, I got really good spiritual advice on that matter. It's just like a pretty hyper creative person is it's just like, it's kind of, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's just like, let go of your ideas. And then I also think sometimes, sometimes those ideas aren't even yours. You just tapped into an idea or something yeah. as well. And, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, what I get at is, is this, uh, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I'm just trying to like, how can we have a discussion about this? Right. And instead of it, me, me saying, oh, this is what I think. Right. And, and then you saying, this is what I think about it. But like, let's try to like, if, if see if we can find something here that, um, 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 would be general, right. It's not mm -hmm. just like coming from my mind or from your mind, you know? <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, human beings, right? How do we survive? Uh, we survive by exchanging value with each other, right? Cause we're not like animals where we're hard connected to the environment. We have a buffer. Our civilization buffers us from the environment. It's really our civilization that inter interfaces with the environment and all of us interface inside this substrate of society, you know? So this is how we fucking live, which is, um, all of our individual gifts, right? that we either born with or that, um, we are, uh, that we learn, you know, are for other people, right. In order we exchange, um, our output, uh, with others in order to, um, survive. Right. And 
but what Krishnamurti says is that you have to become nothing, you know, right? <laughs> In order, <clears throat> you have to become <clears throat> nothing. And so this is like what makes it so hard to talk about. It's like, this is how we live. We exchange value with each other, right? <clears throat> By creating. But um, how can you do that if you uh, dissolve your sense of self, you know? <laughs> and I mean, j just before I get your, your feedback on that, it's like, um, if you're, you, when you have a sense of self, it's like this, it's this measurement, right? This measurement of where you end and everything else begins. Um, it's a limiting factor, right? It's a, uh, when you want to take credit for something, it's you're putting a limit on what is possible. You know, but when you go into something, um, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> um, without any expectations, right, then it becomes immeasurable, right? And so then your output actually becomes of the highest order when you decide to let go of your attachment to it or your part of it, you know? Yeah. And the universe has taught me that too. Like the first, the first ever post I had that got, that like blew up or got big or something that I was not attached to at all. Like I didn't even, I wasn't even on my phone for like a couple of days and I came back and like, <laughs> what? Like that kind of thing. So I, I learned that for sure. Cause sometimes I put work into it and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a good one or something. And then it, it just, it just is what it is or whatever, you know, it's because that, I then put that expectation on it. Yeah. My mind goes to astrology and like ego as well. And, and you keep using the word measurement. And I think that that applies with where my mind went on that, uh, which is sharpness that the, the ego is, is a sharpening tool and that fits yeah. with like Aries, which rules the head, which is where the ego exists. And that, and that is like sharp things and knives and, and that kind of thing, like can be associated with that as well. And I think that's just like that sharpness of the ego it needs to be there. And then, yeah, I also think we, we learn from each other. Like we learn more from each other than we think. Like, and even if you think you're an intellectual person, you can learn something from the guy with the, with the convertible and whatever, or you can learn something from even the dumb guy who like, uh, keeps stepping on like coals and burning himself or you just know, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Like that's a simple thing you could learn. Like there's always something to learn and we're learning more from people and observing more from our surroundings than we think. But I do think that there is, yeah, it's weird with the, with the not identifying with self. I, but I think it's also not identifying with measurement. Yeah. But how? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, when you set out to measure something, then you've limited it. Like you, your measurement tool only has so much length to it, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's also, <clears throat> Um, you know, when I say, um, don't use the word is that's uh, general semantics. I don't know if you've heard of this. Uh, I forget the guy's name. He was a Polish philosopher, I believe, but, uh, he's the one who came up with general semantics is like basically, um, only say, this is how it appears at the moment. Right. And so you allow yourself the space for a better interpretation to come in, you know, and uh, <clears throat> it's kind of like the Zeno's paradox, too, you know, that if you drop a stone, have you heard this one? 
Go on. If you drop a stone, it, it goes half the distance to the ground and then half that distance and then half that distance and then half that. And so theoretically, it's always approaching, right? And never actually arrives. And so that's the way you have to look at, quote, knowledge, right? Is that absolute knowledge is not obtainable. Um, you can only ever approach it, you know? I do know, I think, I think, <laughs> um, I don't know, through like enlightenment and stuff, it's, you, you realize how much, and even if you granted wisdom and like tap into these frequencies and knowledge and stuff, you, the more you learn, the more you should realize the less, you know. Yeah. And so that's why I've, it's, I find it difficult because sometimes I find myself, yeah, fucking, I know, like, I know what it is, but when I really look into what I think I know, right? It is that, um, uh, uncertainty is the only certainty, <laughs> you know, it's like, if you really want to actually right, that's the fucking, the laws of the universe are immutable, right? This is that whole natural law thing, the natural law argument, right? <clears throat> that these laws are um, immutable, but they permit this fuzziness, you know? Right. And so it's like, yes, if fucking, this is it. Um, but it is a fucking superposition, right? It is a conscious allowance of a paradox, you know, instead of trying to like decide the paradox you permit the paradox in order to move forward into new territory uncharted territory yeah yeah that makes me think just about trying to expand consciousness like it is our permission or like our acceptance of what reality is instead of trying to go beyond it or thinking of it of being something more beyond than what we perceive it to be and then just like the is Early was just been pondering how concrete of a word is actually is. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's that self-reference, you know, it's like, you can never get back. You can never get away from that circular aspect of it. And, uh, I have this thing where I talk about credibility, how, where it's like built in hard self-reference Our our society or our civilization has this is that, um, no one will credit um, a source, right. Of information, right. Where the source is more important than the actual information so that it's based more on the credibility is what actually builds the truth of, of something. And credibility is based on followership, right? Yeah, exactly. Right? How it's a popularity contest, right? Yeah. And so that's a full, um, uh, that's basically is this postmodern viewpoint, which is that the truth is unknowable. And so it's basically everyone's entitled to their own version of it, you know, and we have to permit this and allow it <laughs> to, to be. And there's something to that, but also at the same time, it, 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 it allows these camps to be formed, right. That are actually really attached to their, truth so at this it's a contradiction at the same time saying the truth is unknowable but right i'm gonna be completely attached to my tribe's version of it you know and and not be movable on it 
Yeah, I think with some of the guys I connected with on truth, we don't do that. We challenge each other and challenge each other's truth and, and contemplate why why is this relevant to this and or just like we go back and forth on that. And I think it's a really positive thing and like a good group for that for trying to get to the truth or, or, or whatever, like just knowing what we know and exchanging that we always say that like, there's something more to it and we try and look at it as widely as we can for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that's the crux of, of the issue, right? I think that it is described right there, you know, um, <clears throat> that in order to find the truth, you have to accept the fact that, that the total truth may not be um um obtainable <laughs> yeah i'm pretty good i try and live in as infinite uh way as possible where i'll allow everything in and see what resonates and i think that goes with filtering with the heart and filtering with that so that helps with the discernment when i feel i can resonate on a on a frequency of truth i can still allow everything in <clears throat> and trust that filter of discernment to connect or to pass on mm -hmm. but it only comes from being open-minded like it, it that's the only way yeah so this thing that i've been kind of working on i i'm an industrial designer but that's you know i mean i'm not anything but i'm a designer but i went to this art school and so like 20 some years ago i realized this art school takes all of the best and the brightest you know artists and I was in the product design program, which is the program which designs for manufacture, right? And so I was um, exposed to this, like having not previously really taken a look at it, this um, manufacturing, right? Um, I was like, okay, if we're going to fucking fix our problems on earth, we have to fucking fix manufacturing, you know? And so I started on that part of it right but then as i explored more and more and did more and more work and more and more reading and more and more fucking listening you know i realized and that there's nothing we can do <laughs> unless each of us make this um psychological transformation um uh which is that um That, uh, you know, as we are told, right, that it is human nature to operate from a selfish standpoint, right? That this is our nature. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm not convinced that that's the case. In fact, I think it's the inverse of that, right? I think that this is a condition, right, as opposed to our nature. Uh, and, the, and the condition is... Um, is comes after right like it's something that occurs right and then creates a situation right and whether that situation per is perpetuated or not depends upon those conditions right and so basically what i'm saying is the condition is treatable it's like this isn't something that is just the way it is and so when i say there's a problem right one problem um and it is that right it is this um assumption that everyone's going to operate from a selfish standpoint and that you can expect that you know 
What do you think? To expect it. Um, I don't know. I still think there's silver lining to that, but I do agree 100% that it is the conditioning and that, yeah, the selfishness it's, it's, I think it's also just like a byproduct of capitalism as well. And, 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 and again, it's, it all just is, yeah, it's all just conditioning and, and like mind control and, and to get you in that. And that's even like the, the lower chakra, that fear, fear-based kind of survival thing is like, I need, I need to survive. Yeah. Right? When you transmute past that and get into the higher levels, it's, that's when the real change, that's when the real evolution starts to happen. That's when the society actually forms. Yeah. Um, and so I know you mentioned capitalism there, right? And that's something that I look at too. That to me, capitalism is just supply and demand value model, right? Which is a scarcity value model, right? And a scarcity value model is propped up or actually created from a selfish positioning and operation, right? Because it's a, the assumption that there's a supply that's limited, right? Mm -hmm. And that um, uh, you, one, must get your portion of the supply before someone else does take yours, you know? <laughs> right? So it's like this scarcity model of value is supply and demand because it's based on the amount of supply and then how many people are trying to access that supply, right? And, right? Does this make sense? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's capitalism right there. I mean, in a nutshell. But they muddy the waters to make it seem deep. You know, the, Nietzsche said that, I think. But uh, economics is really very fucking simple. <laughs> and and that's it, basically, right there, in a nutshell. But uh, um, to me... Right. And when I think about this, I'm like, what's the inverse of that? Right. Which is that the supply is only being added to and can only get bigger. Right. And so if the supply of value, right, because that's what we do, I just generalize it down to value because people exchanging with each other creates the value. There's no value without people living, you know. And so any uh, unit of currency we apply to it is still just people living, you know, so there is no value without people living. And so people are continually living and people are continually being born. And so the supply of value is only ever increasing. Right. And so when the supply is infinite and it's always being added to, then, um, it's uh, an unlimited supply and you can't fucking raise the price on a, on an unlimited supply. In fact, the supply, the price would only go down right in the scarcity model of value for that. And so if you operate from that idea that every single person uh, living has something to add to the supply, right? Then it's uh, you want everyone to contribute. <laughs> as opposed to it being um, this credibility popularity model where only a certain number, a very small portion of people in the population get to add to the design of our culture. Right. Yeah. I think the, it's like, well, what's the opposite of capitalism, communism, not communism. I think that that is a whole psychological operation that they're like, 
don't look there where to me what you're describing is commune right community and it's like your ceiling reminds me of a friend whose parents live on a commune where they where they all have buildings like that and they and they uh the community garden and they and they all (laughs) contribute and they all do their stuff and all that and to me that like there's they've made that yeah their their form of communism isn't correct at all but i think that that's they're just hijacking that word or like a system built from that like completely separate from what we perceive communism to be yeah the community they've turned it into this dichotomy right where it's um i mean you said it right the opposite of capitalism and communism but yeah to me I think that's a psychological operation and I'm not pro communism because if you look at what, and I began this portion of the discussion talking about the means of production, which is manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you say means of production and everyone who's done any reading whatsoever starts to think of Marx, you know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, so capitalism is really just fascism, right? Which is the corporate control of the means of production. Right. We've been, Mm -hmm. that's the actual definition of fascism. It's not this like totalitarianism, the way that we've been kind of taught to look at it, you know, Um, because uh, Stalin and Hitler are the same kind of characters, you know? Yeah. And we, on one side, we have fascism, the other side, communism, it's the same shit. So fascism is corporate control of the means of production. This is what we fucking have. Right. And communism is state control of the means of production, right? So mm-hmm. there's really fucking no difference, right? Yeah. It's just that the corporations are kind of hid behind the veil of government in fascism, you know? And yeah, I think when I was younger, uh, just the way communism was described to me, I was like, this sounds amazing, but it wasn't described like it wasn't with the dark side of history. It was like, it was yeah. more like community-based and and this allows people to find their actual dharma and their actual purpose and their actual contribution like it was more just about that community-based kind of thing like you contribute to your community you're connected to your surroundings your nature you're living in harmony where like both these things create disharmony like yeah you're like sublime man does nothing but create disharmony on this planet yeah i mean it took me forever to realize that the left was communism <laughs> right And the right was fascism, you know, (laughs) hard fascism on the right. And then, you know, the two extremes. Right. And then it's like, I didn't put that together for a long time, actually. Um, Yeah. So it's like what I want to work on is like, I think it's possible actually to to um, have to take a step right as a collective. to write this, uh, the course of civilization, right? Um, I don't buy into the idea that this is how it is and it will always be this way, right? Um, and I also don't buy into the idea of just work on yourself and, you know, get yourself, <laughs> you know, ascend to 5D or whatever in a personal matter or whatever, right? Because that's still division. Right. Mm-hmm. If we are, if we're taking it, um, the message, right. Of the Tao or, you know, of the new age or anything, right. Of, uh, hermeticism is that all comes from one, right. So the division is an illusion, right. The 
divided consciousness is an illusion. Um, so it's like, but it, so on the one hand, it's like, oh yeah, just fucking work on yourself and, you know, have a good life and die. And on the other hand, it's like, um, you know, uh, be, you know, as ruthless as possible to get what is, you know, what you can get and then die. <laughs> but are those the only, I, I just think that we, there's something to be done to alter the way that the, the, the pattern, um, uh, unfolds, you know? Yeah. What do well, you think? you work on yourself to be mm -hmm. at service so that you can be your best self so that you can be at service to others mm -hmm. and working on yourself without being at service to others. You're missing out on half, half that process. Right. Yeah. And so I always, uh, dog Jordan Peterson on this, right. Um, where despite me appreciating his, his intellect and his, uh, ability to use words, I mean, he, he crushes, right. He's a badass for sure. He's got a lot of good shit, but his whole thing about clean your room, right. To me, this resonates, like take care of your own shit before you start to fucking solve the, the collective problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And the, and there's truth in that's what you basically just said. Yeah. But for me, it's like his argument is become well adjusted to the bullshit, right? Before you start fucking trying to alter the bullshit. And it's like, if you're well adjusted, then you will never fucking take any steps to alter it. You know? So I think what it, what you were saying is this work on yourself, which is this more this inner work, right? As clean your room means like clean your mind, you know, maybe more to speak as opposed to like, get all your ducks in a row and get a good credit score, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's um, one analogy that kind of was like really stirring over our heads a bunch. And it goes back to the loop as well. Loop backwards is pool in the game mm -hmm. of pool, the eight ball, you stick the eight ball. You can't just sink the eight ball right off the start. There's this order. You have to, you have to go through this order before you get the opportunity to do that. So there is yeah. something to that structure and to having your ducks in a row a little bit, but I also push, it's not discipline. It's, it's awareness. It's awareness that if I do this, this will improve my conditions. Or if I, if I do this, like, rather than be like, Oh, if I have to do this, I have to stick to this and all that and stay disciplined. It's like, no, if, when you're aware of that and aware of if that is affecting you or not, then you'll do something about it. Yeah. Um, Krishnamurti actually says discipline is violence. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, I think this awareness, right. Is it's possible to, you can, it's possible to actually, um, instantaneously have a better outlook, right. When you realize that you don't have to fucking defend yourself anymore, <laughs> right. You don't have to defend your, like your psychological sense of self, which is your identity, right? When you just let go, right, of your identity, there's nothing to defend. <laughs> then your awareness actually is more complete. And maybe that's what drew you to me a bit is maybe I'm doing that more than I realize. Like I, I pride myself on where my ego's at and, and being able to drop that. Mm -hmm. um, that's like 
But what you just said is like I you pride, pride myself on that exactly right. But <laughs> yeah, you need that you go like but, yeah exactly. But that it made me think about the sharpness. Is it's like before getting on this, we had to clean ourselves up and like you know I had to like shave a bit and like you know like so there is that it's a weird thing and, and yeah and I do that and kind of my shtick can be to like be overconfident, which is again to teach people discernment to discern that I'm like goofing around or discern that like there's a deeper message and deeper lesson to this like i i'm teach like it's like i teach like it's just naturally what i do but when i don't even realize i'm doing it and i'm also learning like uh, i find a lot of times when i speak or go on rants or stuff like i'm teaching myself it's just like coming out and i'm i'm learning it for the first time too sometimes when i speak it seems yeah and that's when i feel the most energized about it too is when suddenly like you'd you didn't prepare and then it's just coming out and you're like, Oh yeah, that fucking makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? And, um, and it's not right. So it's not you that's necessarily doing it. This is like, you're creating the space for it to come through you. Right. And so your best delivery, one's best delivery is when you haven't like fucking attached yourself to it. My mind just went towards self-love and the difference of that between like loving yourself and, and the ego. But then if you're detaching from self, what are you loving? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, that's the, again, that's the crux right there. You know, um, you have to like reside on that, um, uh, on the, the pinnacle in the singular point of what that is, you know, which is all things at once. Cause that is like the self-love attached to the discipline or the, or the awareness, like, Oh, if I do this or if I shave today or, or whatever, it's like, that's if we're, it's, it's both self-love and ego. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's difficult to talk about, but I think there's, um, one way that I, I can access this pretty well is, uh, the principle of Wu Wei from the Tao. You know, this one go on. I'm here to learn. Um, uh, principle of Wu Wei is like in the West today, it's translated as effortless effort, you know? And I don't think that really does it justice. And I mean, I want to come back around to that to try to, to try to explain it. But, uh, uh, Alan Watts, um, uh, describes it as, uh, superior virtue and inferior virtue. And, uh, inferior virtue is, um, overly concerned with virtuosity, which is like how others will perceive it, you know? And so, right. If you do something that you think is moral based on its perception in society, right. (laughs) then that's inferior virtue, right? Superior virtue isn't ever concerned with, isn't concerned with morality, right? It just is, right? It just is good, just is moral, right? And, uh, and so if you come back around to that being effortless effort, right? Then if you don't attach yourself to what you're trying to do, like if you have this objective, like you set this intention, 
right? But if you say it's me doing it, then you've diminished it, right? You've diminished its potential, right? And so this effortless effort comes from stop measuring what you're going to do and just fucking do it. <laughs> you know, stop measuring like what kind of impact it's going to have on society, right? And just do it. You know, and then if you do it from that positioning, the positioning of, of this, uh, just that it gives me this like fucking kick, you know, <laughs> to do it, then just do it. And it's like someone who is like out of shape and wants to fucking get in shape. And they think that it's, it's going to be so much fucking work. You know? It's like it, but don't measure how much it's going to be. Just do just be the thing just be <laughs> yeah as opposed to um trying to you know it's like the causal relationship if this then that right if i do this then i will lose weight or whatever right but already be the effect right don't try to implement the cause just be the effect <laughs> mm -hmm. right it's something i say it's a, it's a i guess you could call that retro causality right Right. Um, instead of, uh, if this, then that, that, then this, if <laughs> like be the effect, be the effect. And so when I say that there's something to be done for society as a collective, right. That, that, that we could actually create an exchange, right. That isn't corrupted because that's how we live. The exchange is absolutely necessary. Right we can create an exchange that is as it was because this is how we were perhaps like maybe we already are fully evolved and we already had this system in place and we fell down. Right. And we're trying to get back again, but something saw an opportunity like something right to keep us in the state, right. Perpetually. <clears throat> and so I just want to say like, there's something to be done. Like there is actually a solution. Right. And, um, what I say is right. That we can't fucking fix the way we make things because really it's what we create is what we exchange, whether or not we're doing it like this, you know, um, this internet fucking digital output, or we're writing books or we're artists, how, whatever we're doing, there's also this general aspect too, where it takes a orchestrated effort in order to create this output that is beneficial to everyone, you know, like infrastructure, for example, um, there's a way that we can actually do it that, um, would be in alignment with the laws of nature. Right. And like we were discussing before, like not separate, not on this artificial rhythm that we seem to be operating on. I had my thought on that too. Um, it'll come back to me. One thing too, um, with the, the do, um, it, when you talk about the is and now is to me just became such a concrete thing. And it's like, okay, maybe that, maybe I'm now going to be conscious about using that word or whatever. <laughs> One thing I would say, if I'm like goofy or a bit hood, bit hood up in here or whatever, I'd be like, it is what it do. <laughs> and, and that it was kind of blowing my mind, this whole conversation. Cause like, and then you reiterated that exactly with like everything you were saying was like, it is what it do. 
<laughs> it is what yeah. it does. It, like that's all it is. It only is what it does. It isn't anything other than what it does. That's just a funny thing that I've always said was like, it is what yeah. it do instead of saying it is what it is. No. Yeah. 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 And so there's a do that's, that's doable, right? <laughs> Cause it is what it is, is like, what is that? Say la vie, you know, or that's just life. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, no. Yeah. Do something about it. I was thinking about even yeah. the word no and no and on. And the fact that they're an anagram and the, and the kind of work I do, I would consider those to be the exact same. And that's just it. It's, it's when you say no, you turn on. It's, it's mm-hmm. that, right. That's, that could light the fire. That could be any of that. So, so saying no is turning on and then no, like, what do you know? Like the no connected to that. So to know mm-hmm. something means that you're on. So it, it's a quite the little word, yeah. word riddle in there, but. Yeah, no, and that's true. Like these, this self-love, like that's basically, that's it right there, you know, which is you have to say no, right? <laughs> so that you can turn on for yourself. Mm-hmm. I um, went through that. I lost, I lost 90 pounds. Oh yeah. So, and how did I do it? It's, it's, it was a mindset. It was, it was manifesting. It was like, I, I committed to it. It was, I didn't, that, that didn't mean making a plan. That didn't mean making a meal plan. It's just, I commit to changing things yeah and that's all it, that's for me that was all it took and it just kind of took over because i committed to it and i committed to self and and all that and like there wasn't any reason to other than just to make better choices and just see what i could do and it ended up it was like one of those things where it just caught me off guard like a year later it was like whoa whoa <laughs> yeah yeah it's like now here i am yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the anagram with no and on made me think of, okay, it's that work for yes too. <laughs> say, like, yeah. And it's like, it becomes now a, you've, I mean, what it made me think was now this is about just saying it, right. As opposed to doing it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's hard just through the spiritual path and everything to do, to go through all that because you detach yourself from the material world or that is something that can happen. And you really have to, it's hard to get back to that do because you've you've separated from what is. Yeah. And, and so it's like, you can work this on a lot of levels, right? And so you can know this, like this um, idea of, uh, this effortless effort, this principle of Wu Wei, you can understand it and comprehend it without um, uh, implementing, right? On every level, like you can do it on some levels, right? But not all the levels and maybe not the, the most profound level, which is your life output, you know? And so if you start getting attached to like, oh, fuck, for like, for me, I'm 52, right? And it's like, this has been a struggle this whole time. And it's just like, if I look back on that and be like, God damn it, man, it's trying to measure what my output is. I'd be like fucking pissed. Right. And so it's like, you have to just let go. One does one has to let go of the past in order to move forward at all. And, uh, there's this, you know, again, on the effortless effort, it's like, um, while we were, we were talking the other day, it's like before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. It's like, 
you still you're still here you still got to live right and so stop attaching so much to the things that you do like it's going to hurt you like you know a walmart shopper looking for the closest parking spot you know <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> it's like just fucking do it and then you know i tell myself this too it's like oh man there's so much to do it's like i don't even know where to start right but uh um stop measuring it right stop measuring it stop measuring how much or what the volume is or what the quantity is or how many steps it's going to take and just take the step yeah i think my process has more to do with complicating things than whether it's the effort or not it's just like living being a complex person living in the complexities of that but it's through that inner work that you take all those co complexities and you work on that enough you'll connect the right wires and it then you do that work inner and that work will happen outer and things become a lot more simpler yeah yeah and so i mean and then you get into this is the idea of presence right being in the moment right and the, every moment that passes is new right and so the last moment has died right and so it's like you're dying every instant <laughs> you know there's this thing like where people are like i'm dying to see the new fucking jack reacher or i'm dying to do this or i'm dying to do that and it's like uh that's such a funny fucking statement you know <laughs> because it, it signifies that you have this like inner passion for what it is that you want to do you know willing to die for <laughs> yeah and it's like die to live like let your who you think you are die so that you may live i think the i think the moment it still happens in waves it's not just like moment, 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 moment. We're not just living in do, 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 moment, moment, mm -hmm. moment, and this infinite thing. It's still this kind of waves, and I think that there is these like pockets, and that is the moment. The moment isn't just like the present; it's this pocket, and it almost becomes this timeless pocket. Yeah, I mean, but that can change. Any something could break that moment. Something could shift or change that moment. And, you know, like if there, it's, I just think about like being on psychedelics and everything's on a vibe. Like at one time we were chilling and then like we heard a gunshot like that obviously changed the moment. The, that moment is now done. Yeah. 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 And uh, I think those when you were saying pockets for me, that just described that, like I saw this image, right. Of like this, it's this cognitive awareness of your surroundings that creates this pocket. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because without that, there would be no reference point in order to see the edge of the bubble right or actually the interior versus the exterior right and when you say the gunshot that's like obviously it's that bubble has passed right mm -hmm. and that gunshot is the, the 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 border yeah the catalyst yeah i found in like i'm a, on my year three of like a more sober journey or like off alcohol and drugs and all that i was played in bands and it was lived the rock star life for quite a long time and 
I felt I was always chasing being in the moment or trying to find those moments. But I think it's also because even at, at like, or like in my teens or whatever, I started doing consciousness exercises and all this. So I tap into these kind of like higher consciousnesses. But then through that, I couldn't live in the moment. I had a hard time getting back to just living in the moment. And, and unfortunately, alcohol was one way that kind of brought me back into that moment. But I was at a hard time being in the moment because of that just like hyper awareness. Yeah. Um, so then that's more, a weird thing. Cause it's like, Oh, I let go of, of this and it created this higher consciousness, but now I need to let go of the higher consciousness to get back to square one of being in the moment. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that awareness of that peak state, right. Makes you want to seek that state again. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fucking tricky, man. So like <clears throat> you can see what I'm, where I'm kind of going, right? Like I, um, that we, it's possible for the civilization to actually, we can actually, um, I, you know, all these words that are going through my head to use right now, I don't want to use, but it's like, we can actually do something that to fix this, right. And not to fix what we have, but to actually create, it's like what Bucky Fuller said, you don't try to fix the the system, you create a new system that makes the old one obsolete, you know? So I think it's possible to do that. Right. And that what motivates people to organize, right. Is not this, um, threat of death, right. But this, um, possibility of, of, of living, right. It's possibility of living in a fulfilled way. So it's like this value is what attracts people to organize. This is what I theorize is that value is like the great attractor in our society, in our civilization. And that's what motivates people to come towards something and to perpetuate the source of that value. For example, technology, just any, any technology is what, um, is this cooperative effort, like the, what sparks a cooperative effort, because you can't perpetuate, um, knowledge, right? You can't hold on to it because we have a short lifespan without it being generational. And so there has to be a cooperative, uh, effort to share and maintain knowledge, right? Which is to maintain the sources of value that we create. Mm -hmm. And so like, we can't fucking as new agers, not be all like, we can't be like saying the shit that we make isn't important, right? This material aspect of our lives is, is absolutely fucking essential. Right. And so we can't negate that aspect of it, but we can actually be creative in a way that isn't fucking, uh, um, where half of it is destructive, right. Where we actually negate our progress with all of this other bullshit. Uh, the same teacher that said that I need to that I would hyper creative and just need to not be attached to my ideas and just put them out there and let them flow. Also that did an exercise where it was like, write down words that write down a word or many words that describe creativity. And the word I wrote down that was way different than everybody else's was I wrote destruction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, you know, there, there's truth to that. Uh, my episode, I think 17, maybe, or no, it's 12. I forget. I talk about the Mithras, the myth of Mithras, you know, the God Mithras, mm -hmm. right? 
So he was like one of the first that we have record of, right? Gods, right? On earth, right? And the first thing he did was sacrifice the bull, you know? And so much fucking uh, life came from that sacrifice, right? But I'm not certain, though, that, uh, um, I mean, it kind of uh, institutionalizes the, the sacrifice motif, right? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I'm not... I, don't, I mean, it's fucking hard to talk about because uh, um, I want to say that, uh, yeah, that destruction isn't necessary for creativity, for creation, right? I want to say that. I want to say that that's actually the unnatural process, right? And that it has to be maintained that way in order to, for it to continue. What do you think about that? Yeah, I still think create, create, create. I think it was just my mindset at the time, <laughs> but I think that the more you create, like you think if think if, if I'm in hyper creative mode, like I can't be stopped. It, it yeah. almost gets like that. Yeah. If I, if you're in destruction mode, I think you can be stopped. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or destruction. There's only so much to destroy. There's infinite to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a never ending fucking supply never-ending addition to the fucking source of value. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. two things that you said that resonated in my mind or that I was thinking of too is, uh, yeah, as new agers or is what is exit the matrix, whatever you want to call it, anything like that. It is still kind of comes down to what are you willing to sacrifice? And then that's what putting now putting value on the sacrifice because value is, to the moment there's a bunch of bears around like there's defense against those bears is going to go up in value or is your value value is a lot more there's a lot of temporary value around so like it's kind of just what sacrifice how much value can you put on maybe a sacrifice you need to make in order to get to somewhere better or is yeah. the sacrifice even necessary yeah i mean that would be like the um, how much is your effort a sacrifice? You know, how much is it like that you expending energy is a sacrifice, right? <laughs> yeah. I try to, I don't want to think of it as a sacrifice, but eventually I'm going to, I'm eventually I'm going to get tired. Eventually I'm going to need to take a nap or, or recharge. Yeah. Or, but it's like, it's not like that walk from the outer parking lot at Walmart to the doors is going to fucking shorten your life. You know, <laughs> no, do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then it doesn't, so then in the end, it almost doesn't become a sacrifice or, or does it because it's like you sacrifice that. So you're gifted. Yeah. Or yeah. Okay. So this is the effortless effort, right? This is the Wu way. This is it. Right. So stop fucking measuring, uh, your, what it is you're putting in, in order to get something out. <laughs> You know, like stop fucking measuring that shit. But then because it's it, like, it, because it limit, it creates a limit on what you can fucking put in. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Cause then your value again, oh, it's, that's a, 
because you still have to have self value. Like you still have to have value in yourself. So then, yeah, how, yeah but then it's like, what is the, then that comes down to a measurement. Yeah. I mean, ultimately in order to get to that state, the pure state of that is this, um, uh, letting go of your sense of self, right? <laughs> letting go of your, of who you think you are, your identity, right? Um, stop thinking you're your body, right? Stop thinking you're your thoughts. <laughs> that's, uh, that's honestly a hard challenge. It's something I feel I've gone through properly and, and, and had to try and rebuild and like trying to do what I'm trying to do as far as my podcast or, or do all the things that I'm trying to do is like, how do I, now I, now that I've, uh, detached from identity, who, what is my output as me yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. So I, like, I really struggled with trying to figure that out to figure out what is my identity now. Cause he, if I'm to do this, I need an identity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is the crux of the issue again, mm -hmm. right? because if you let go, right. Um, you're in flow state, right? Because when you're in flow state, you're not there, right? Like you're really not there. Uh, and it's only when you become aware again that you actually yeah. maybe trip, trip over your shoelaces at that point, you know? <clears throat> and so we have this, these gifts, right? But, and they're here for, for us to fucking create, but to actually use them to the highest potential it's like, stop fucking taking credit for them because they're gifts, right? You can't take credit for a gift, right? <laughs> yeah. Even my, my more hood street wisdom kind of thing is like, and something I said the other day is like, yeah, if you were trying to get credit for it or go to your way and all that, that would be very unchill. If you want to be, if you want to reach your pot your potential, you gotta be potent chill. Yeah. You gotta have like a <laughs> potent chill. Yeah. And yeah, so you empty your fucking, uh, uh, your, your expectations, right. And allow space for, uh, divine inspiration, right. And you recognize that inspiration because you have these, uh, cognitive abilities, right. This stuff that gets your juices flowing, right. This is your creative interests, right. I've recently, it's still, it's almost, I separate a lot of it from the 3d and the 3d is still there. So you kind of do have to put on that mask and do that kind of thing. And I just trying to figure out that balance right now is like quite the trip, but Let's I see that, it as two separate again. things. It's the like, I still separate what? more like the spiritual and the cosmic and all the stuff that I'm going through but then I still have to apply it to the more 3d stuff. Yeah. And I struggle with branching the two. Yeah. Yep. Same here, man. Um, but, but I think, I think it's just, I think yeah. it's just like the, it's like if I'm to do this and try and expand my consciousness, I almost just have to take one for the team a bit and, and it might involve sacrificing a bit in the 3d to get to that higher level. But at the same time, that three, that nature and all that's around you. And if you're not, moving with it, then you're moving against it. Yeah. Uh, keep moving like Dory, right. Or Dora in fucking finding Nemo just keep swimming. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, that like the Tao of Poo, right? That's what Dora is basically, right? Which is Poo was like that too, you know, like kind of fucking dense, right? But just living. I thought for... about that in the doing. <laughs> I thought of doo doo, right? It's just so you got it's the it's the yeah the bullshit. You just got to kind of go through it. That's the. You siphon through that and hopefully you, you find some diamonds along the way. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, uh, that's pretty good, right? Uh, for an episode. Should we yeah. like wrap it up? Yeah, sure. Felt I was going to say like... one, one more thing. It's like, let's see, what is this? Have you ever ch tested which eye dominance you are? Yeah, I know I'm right eye dominant. So you do this, right? Yeah. And uh, I was doing it with my cousin. Uh, and uh, he's the kind of guy who's like always just going to try to be both things, you know, <laughs> without even realizing. He doesn't want to fucking collapse a wave function, right? So I was trying to get him to fucking do it, and he wouldn't fucking say which eye he was. <laughs> It's like he wanted both eyes. He wanted both ones, you know. And I'm like, that's actually really what you want, you know, um, is this uh, superposition, this allowance of superposition, right? But at the same time, I was like, bro, you kind of are like fucking Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> like some, <laughs> you know. It's like that's all fucking great. And then that made me think, oh yeah, so it doesn't really matter what we fucking do, like. You know, and, there, and then we're back again at like, oh, this is just how it is and nothing is going to change, you know? Yeah. And I think that we have a destiny no matter what, whether it's set in stone or, or what have you, and it doesn't really matter which way you go about it. It's going to lead you there. And I think that even goes with how the darkness keeps us in the loop is they, they can only do it for so long where they can control our fate but they can't control our destiny so they can mm -hmm. get us off our, off our path, off our destiny, but they can't control that inevitable destiny. And I talk about that. That's the grass going through the growing through the concrete or that kind of thing. It's, it's nature will always find a way. Yeah. Um, so that's why they have to do the constant reinforcement because we will start to fucking mm -hmm. uh, grow through the cracks. Right. And they have to like trim that shit down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's possible for us to achieve our true nature. And that's when I say that's what we can do. There's some, there's a way to do it. And that's what I'm working on. And so, and it's not me, you know, it's like, but this is what I feel passionate about. And I've found this direction, right. That is general. That is not like this very specific. It's more about like, um, what it is that we can do. Um, as a collective that can uh, permit us to move forward in a way that is new, right? To new territory without doing this fucking feedback loop, you know, the splitting back and forth or um, self-annihilation. Right? And, and that's even a problem I have with a lot of the truth truthers out there is it's too much mirroring. It's too much reflection rather than being their own light. It's too much reflection yeah. on everything that's happening and getting caught up, especially in like the more current events kind of thing. Yeah. You become more, yeah, you become more a reflection of this dissonance rather than trying to harmonize the dissonance. 
Yeah. And that's the false polarity, right? You are defined by your opposition, right? And mm -hmm. so you are the opposition because you can't exist without it. Wow. <laughs> now, one thing that you mentioned, I think before we started recording was just like belief systems or whatever. I have like a rant on that a little bit where it's like, it's make belief. You have to make a belief. And therefore it yeah. is now a make belief. You make your mind up. You made up your mind when you make your mind up. And, and so I, that's definitely one of my philosophies too, is it's never really make up your mind. It's just observe it. Yeah. 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 Don't collapse the wave function, right? Don't bring <laughs> yourself into it. Yeah. Just, uh, permit it to be uh, a wavicle, right? <laughs> a wave and a particle at once. And then you don't fucking, and you don't enter your own, uh, identity into the outcome. But at the same time, you can surf those, you know, I call them Lagrange points, I guess, you know, you know, Lagrange point is where gravity is nil based on like where all the bodies are in space. There's okay. no pulling in it. So it's like mm -hmm. completely no force acting in this place. And so that's where you have to put yourself emotionally and fucking, uh, psychologically, right? Don't choose sides. Don't take credit. Right. And then you can, it's uh Walter Russell says it's called being on the fulcrum, right? Instead of swinging on the pendulum, right? You're actually up on the fulcrum, right? So you actually never move. <laughs> yeah. I see gravity as a metaphor and it's a way to pull something from you it's like it's the geo and geo is the anagram for ego mm. so when you have yeah. that measurement and all that you're now allowing something to be pulled from you yeah um what kind of music uh do you play are you still playing music um i still play yeah it's like just mess around or whatever mm -hmm. i, I kind of started getting more into conspiracy parodies i think i might call it conspiracy karaoke um but uh yeah i don't know i played it like i come from like punk and hardcore and metal mm -hmm. and that kind of thing uh but i don't know music's just like music to me i could it could be i'll listen to anything it depends on my mood kind of thing for sure mm -hmm. well um i don't know maybe we could collaborate i i just write lyrics right at this moment but um, something in my chart, maybe like maybe I could share my chart with you so you could see a few things. I don't, I'm not trying to get a free reading or anything, but I don't know, dude. Uh, um, I like our um, the way we um, interact, and so it'd be cool to maybe keep it up if you're yeah, interested. Sure. Yeah, maybe yeah, we could like work on put, some ideas. Felt like I was put in a good trance today. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's stay in touch, and uh, thanks a lot, TJ for coming yeah, well, on the show me. yeah and uh we'll talk soon yeah yep do you have any uh closing remarks um no i think we covered it pretty good i feel pretty refreshed from that i feel like that was a good good ending oh maybe like just popped in my head is like it's the you brought up the death or fearing death is like i think you just need to change your perception on what death is and when you can see it as a metaphor you see it as the meta door because it's the door. Death is the door. Yeah. The doer, right? The don't go through it. You know, it's, it's, we're always just, there's always just new doors to open and then we go through more deaths than we think. And, and when you realize that and you live through these deaths in life, then you won't fear the death.
that yeah, you're this told is what just, death is. I mean, you can look at it like a, it's just a game. So like, stop taking it so seriously, you know, like we can actually turn this into a fucking wonderland if we want. Yeah. Like, and I think that's why my, taking it so seriously. yeah, I think that's why my approach is comedic and, and people I get, I, I, one compliment I get is like, I can't tell if you're joking or serious half the time. And that's what I like about you. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. keeping it fun for sure is important. Yeah, and you don't. Yeah, I'm not going to give you a clue on whether or not I was being fucking sarcastic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. All right. Talk soon. Cheers. <laughs>